everyone, and welcome to Black History Month 2022. My name is Natasha Reed. I'm an associate engineer for construction management for Public Works. Today, we're going to have a conversation with former acting director, Alaric de Graffenry. Alaric, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yes. Hi. Thanks, Natasha. And I'm happy to be here uh, uh, speaking with you all at, uh, at Black History Month. I know it has, has been a while. So, uh, since I've been away, but again, uh, it was uh, truly uh, an honor and, and a pleasure when I was in the acting role here at Public Works. And, and one of the first things I did when I be, uh, moved into the acting role was to speak at the uh, in the Black History Month event we had uh, at the library back uh, in February of 2020. And then, ever shortly uh, and thereafter, uh, and the world changed. Yes. So, uh, as I'm happy uh, and to be here today, though. This year, the theme for Black History Month is Black health and wellness. So we wanna have a conversation surrounding mental health. According to the US Department of Human Health and Services Office of Minority Health, uh, poverty level affects mental health status. Black or African-Americans living below the poverty level as compared to those over twice the poverty level are twice as likely to report serious psychological distress. Being that there is a significant wealth gap in the Black community, it seems that our mental health status should be in the forefront. So why do you think there's a stigma around mental health care, especially in the Black community, when oftentimes we need it the most? Great question. I'm, you know, I'm not a doctor or a psychiatrist or things like that, but I can certainly give my two cents uh, and just like everyone else. But I mean, I think in the African-American community, in the Black community, uh, in whichever term you prefer, um, I think there is a reluctance to ask for help in a lot of ways because it's seen as a sign of weakness. I mean, yes. I, you know, it's one of those things that you don't want to show that you are, um, that you don't have the ability to solve a problem yourself. And that could be, you know, stems from so many different things, mm-hmm. whether it be, you know, we, we don't go to, uh, in general, we don't go to doctor's appointments. And I, uh, as I'm guilty of that as well, I don't go to, I should, but I don't go to yes. and medical appointments on an annual basis. I go to the dentist, but I don't go to the doctor every year, but, but I should, you know, and, and again, and that's not a sign of weakness. It's just something about our culture over the, over the course of years and decades and centuries we haven't done. And some of that could have been that early on, we didn't have access to those things. So we just didn't get accustomed to doing them. And, you know, one thing I thought about kind of recently, uh, you know, I have uh, as a 10 year old daughter and, you know, she and she is a very competitive person. She puts a lot of pressure on herself, which are all good things, at least. Uh, 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 and from my perspective, but from time to time, we see that, you know, uh, and my wife and I see that she puts undue pressure on herself to be perfect at things. Yeah. And it, and even though I as appreciate that to some extent. You know, we're, we've we've had conversations about, well, should we get her the ability to talk to a counselor? You know, this is something when I was growing up, I can't think of one of my friends that went and saw a counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was one of those things you just didn't do unless you did something really, really bad in school. You didn't see the counselor. 
But, you know, those people are there to, you know, just to help you work through your problems and address them early. You know, that uh, uh, imperfectionism, I'll call it, uh, uh, tendency she has and she gets um, very, very upset if she's making as a thank you card and she writes one word wrong. It's like the world's over. Yeah. Just to accept that, you know, you can use the eraser. Mm -hmm. And it's fine, but it, it, that's one of those things that I think having someone to help her talk through her problems would, would be uh, 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 very valuable. But I'll be very honest with you, me and my wife are uh, ever struggling about just doing it. And we have access to it. Uh, and just like uh, most of us with the city and county, we have insurance. So it's not like it's a financial uh, limitation. It's just a mental block for me to ask for help. Because again, this is, you know, and I have the perspective. As my daughter, I know just as well as anyone else, I can solve the problem. But again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm certainly not as a child a psychiatrist. So, you know, it's okay for me to ask for help to someone to, to uh, and help my kids. So, again, I don't know the exact answers, but I would uh, guess some of it stems with that ability or, or that uh, not wanting to show weakness. Right, right. And I can definitely identify with that. <laughs> Just growing up, I was like, oh, I have to be perfect. Like if I got a B, I would like freak out and cry. <laughs> and my parents would be like, what is going on with you? <laughs> but it wasn't until I got older and I realized like, you know, the pressure that I was putting on myself. And like I recently started going to counseling. And I think, you know, it might be a generational thing as well. Like you know, I talked to my dad about it and he's like, well, you know, just go to church. You know, <laughs> you don't really need to talk to a counselor. Like, and I think that's heavily pushed in our community. Like you have faith, you're strong, you're tough, you can do it. Like you don't need yep. no counselor. You yeah, know? No, that is a very good point. I mean, the only the closest thing I can remember of a counselor growing up was church. And like, yeah, and, and go talk to the pastor about it, you know, and everything was well, you know, God wouldn't put more on you than you can't handle. So right. you need help because in the story of Job, it was like, he won't give you more than you can handle. Sometimes, <laughs> too much. Right. you know, so that's that's where all of our, not all of, I'm saying uh, collectively, and I know it's a stereotype, but yeah. that's what we were kind of, at least when I was raised, that's what we were kind of taught right. and trying not to, uh, uh, and to forget those lessons of the past because they're very valuable and I don't want to forget where I'm from and all that. Right. But then I think you're right. I mean, some of it could and very well be as a generational thing, because if you think about it, uh, and Natasha, and again, I don't know you that well and know your complete background, but the, the level, whether it be of services, education, and things like that, that are available to us, I'll say, you know, uh, and, and, I, and, I, and uh, I'm a bit uh, as older than you, but I'm assuming we're kind of the same. Yes. Our parents didn't have that. I mean, it's just mean because, you know, I'm the first generation in my family on either side not to pick cotton. You know, so the, the, knowing where my family comes from, no one's all counselors. I mean, it just, just was not done, you know, in the deep south. I'm a black female engineer. And there are a lot of times where I'm the only one in the room that looks like me. Um, can you talk about your experience with this? Yeah, I, you know, well, as I don't have any experiences being a black female uh, engineer, 
But I do have experiences. <laughs> only because I don't quite have. But uh, the experiences as far as being like the only one like you, background of you, you know, I've certainly had those experiences. And, you know, you know, I'll kind of give you something. I, when I was uh, graduating high school, thinking about uh, going to college, uh, I was at the time really thinking about going to uh, as black colleges. And, but I grew up in a predominantly black grade school, middle school, high school, went to a black church, all of that. And, and my dad kind of sat me aside, like, Alert, you know, I understand why going to Howard or Morehouse is a high thing or, uh, you know, FAMU, whatever. Uh, but just know that the rest of the world isn't going to be like it was at, our, at your high school and your church, you know, it was like, unless you're in certain parts of the country, you're not going to be and the majority uh, person, like being a, a, as an African-American male. And, and so I, I wound up going to the University of, uh, uh, in Colorado, which is kind of the, the area I was from, uh, because uh, as I grew up in Denver, and that actually was one of the best lessons for me because it did help me once I did graduate and started working at the time uh, at the GE and going into uh, conference rooms and being the only black person there, you know, so it was a bit of a, a shock. He's like, huh, you know, because I'm used to walking down the street or, you know, uh, going into a place and you see uh, another black person, you give them the, the, the head nod, you know, and then you go into that conference room, it's like, oh, yeah, there's no <laughs> <head nod. laughs> those kinds of things. And, you know, there that puts a certain level of pressure on you as well, because then you want to represent. You know, it's not just about you anymore doing well in that meeting. You want the other uh, uh, participants in that meeting or in that room or whatever it is, that conference, to not, you know, uh, uh, if a right or wrong, oftentimes it may be thinking, and how did you get in here? You know, and, and what are you doing here? What, uh, as a affirmative action program, allowed you to get that job, to be at this? What uh, type of scholarship did you get to, to, to afford this school? Because this is not uh, in your club, if you will. Um, again, I'm not saying it's fair, and I'm not saying that's what everyone is often thinking, but I know there are oftentimes some people thinking that. And so um, the way I've always just dealt with it is, you know, honestly try and find uh, something I have in common with someone in that room. And where it be, you know, hey, I went to University of Colorado, you're from Colorado, you know, uh, you're a Bronco fan, I'm a Bronco fan, or, you know, you like the word, whatever, finding some connection. And that's kind of where I start to build out those relationships. Because if not, because again, it's, it's easy based on the, uh, the physical features of someone, you know, um, you know, if you're Black, I, I can see that usually. Um, you know, and I can certainly uh, appreciate, and Natasha, the challenges you have as, as well, not just dealing with the racial issue, but then the, uh, the female issue, especially in a field like uh, engineering, which even after all this time, it's still not equal, you know? So, and I know that the number of Black engineers, specifically female engineers, with all the work that we've done with Nesby and all the other programs, they still aren't even a fraction of uh, uh, where they should be. Um, but that's usually how I try and tackle it, is trying to find some connection, any connection with with uh, and the with you know one or two participants in the room and kind of build out from there. 
and hopefully, you know, uh, being able to peel back the onions for, for both them and for me is like, okay, I may be the only black person in this room, but I'm not the only person in this room that, you know, uh, enjoys eating uh, 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 sushi or catfish or, you know, whatever it is. And just kind of going out from there because I uh, tend to try and be uh, as an optimist and look at the glass half full and hope that uh, people are generally good if you can just find that uh, and the connection uh, it's with them. Right, right. Um, but I kind of find, like, I, that's, that's great advice. Um, but you do run across some of those people that are like, you know, what are you doing here? Yep. <laughs> There's been a couple of situations where, like, I've only emailed so they haven't seen my face or anything. And I'm sitting right next to uh, you know, a table of everybody that doesn't look like me. And they're like, well, is Natasha Reed even going to show up? And I'm like, <laughs> So I can't like be an engineer, you know. So, so it, it is difficult, like you said, like to to kind of break those stereotypes of how they see black people. And you know, I feel like I also like internalize a lot of that with you know being perfect and like making sure that I'm like representing a whole culture because a lot of times like you're the only black person that they know you know so <laughs> like um there's a lot of times in the workplace where you get questions like you know you know how does the black community feel about whatever you know yeah, yeah. so that's another stressor you know and I was wondering like how do you set healthy boundaries in the workplace when you get things like that how can you circumvent the stereotypes and but but also like making sure that your voice is heard you know and getting your point across yeah i mean i mean one way i try and uh, to set boundaries or do a, a, a lot of it and you can probably tell some of it just the way i'm talking today is through humor you know as, mm -hmm. uh, as best i can um But it's, it's hard to set those boundaries, you know, because I'll give examples going back to when I first started college. You know, when I went to Emory University of Colorado Boulder, which is mostly white, you know, it wasn't uncommon to get questions either from me or certainly uh, some of uh, uh, and black women I knew that were there about. And do you wash your hair? How often do you wash your hair? And can I touch your hair? Yes. I mean, and it's happened to my daughter. And this isn't, I mean, granted, I was in college years ago, decades ago, but it's even happened to my daughter more recently. She's in the in the fourth grade, but back in the you know first and second grade, her classmate, ooh, can I touch your hair? It's so curly. It's so soft. And, and I told her, like, don't let them do that. And he's like, set those boundaries. Like, you're not a pet. You're not as a demonstration model for them. You know, if, if they have questions, answer them about you But they don't have to, like, you don't have to do those things. But And my daughter is a very much a, as a pleasing kind of person. She wants to make people feel welcomed and pleased. So she was doing those things. And we had to kind of sit, uh, sit her down at a young age and tell her that's not appropriate. You know, it's like, don't allow yourself in any way to be uh, as demeaned. You know, and I'll give you an example. Uh, and Natasha, you mentioned it, you know, going into a meeting and, you know, people not knowing who you were there. And, you know, I have a... Uh, And based on my last name, or my, my first and last name for that matter, P 
people don't generally assume that a black person is called uh, 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 allergic to graphenry. You know, they just, they just expect someone different. But, you know, sorry, fooled you kind of deal. <laughs> um, but, you know, I can uh, and distinctly remember being in a meeting. This is when I've been back in like the mid 90s when I was at GE and I was working in Memphis, Tennessee and uh, G lighting. And one of the participants referring to me as boy in the meeting. And I just had to, had to shut it down because, I mean, again, I set those boundaries clear. It's like, hey, I will not be referred to as boy. And it's like, oh, I refer to everyone as, you know, boy. It's like, yeah. that may be true, but I'm not going to be in that in bucket of people that you refer to as boy. You know, and I was very clear about it. I was like, I understand this is maybe your culture and good old boy and that kind of thing, but that that's not how it's going to work because again, and I had no problem in that meeting just stopping it and shutting it down and explaining it's like it's not even just the relationship that me and you are going to have; it's the perception that other people are going to see that you're calling me boy. I was like, and I'm the only black man that works in this building. Like that's not going to happen. I mean, that's in Memphis, so Memphis black people are everywhere. But within GE, our offices, I was the only black person. So it's like, no way is that going to happen. Right. And so, you know, and uh, later with my boss, I told him, like, hey, I'm sorry if I, you know, pause the meeting for a bit, but that's not going to happen. He's like, no, no, I support you 100%. He was kind of taken aback. And he's like, I, you know, I would have probably just let it go and address it outside of the meeting. I was like, no, I wanted everyone in that meeting to know right. what is acceptable and what is not. And I'm fine if, you know, as you didn't feel comfortable saying it, because that's that's on you. But I'm not going to uh, allow that to happen. And going forward, me and that guy, we were fine. But, you know, it's like, again, I'm not going to let this fester uh, every kind of deal. And so that's, you know, some of my advice, too, is. And, and it's hard because, I mean, we're always taught or told, you know, um, not to uh, blow things up and just, you know, just kind of get along. but. Right. It, that stuff builds up and the anxiety and the tension builds up in you. Yeah. And then, you know, then you don't want to be seen as the angry black person. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> angry black man, raging black woman syndrome, you know, it's like right. some of that is just, it, that one instance, baby, oh, that was nothing. You know, it's that person, well, why are they so bad? It wasn't just that one instance. It was probably years of things that led up to that. And then you calling me boy just <laughs> blew it up. You know, but so those are the kinds of things that I think it's hard to do that because again, that you're constantly having to step out then, right? I mean, because if you're, and that puts a whole other responsibility, I shouldn't be, have to be responsible for it. You shouldn't have to be responsible for being, uh, whether it be the equity police or, or whatever it is. But, you know, and that's where, you know, certainly having our, um, and her partners with this, whether it be, and again, you don't have to be a black person. I mean, someone else in that meeting could have said, hey, that's not acceptable. Or that should have been said years ago. It shouldn't even have gotten to that point. You know, so uh, those kinds of things that we certainly need uh, others to help us to uh, to uh, as address these things. And kind of going back to what I was saying before, Natasha, you know, going into rooms when you're the only one looking for someone that has that connection. Some of that could be finding people that are like-minded and that will be our partners to address these kinds of issues. So it's not always Natasha or, or Alaric or Bjor or whomever going out, having to be the ones that do that, you know? So 
and maybe it could be and the angry uh, and the white woman that's about you know racial equity. And so it's not always us, you know, because it's it's a lot. I mean, with all the other stresses about uh, being successful, you know, doing your job, representing your culture, and then on top of that, having to address you know uh, these kinds of things, it's it's a lot. Whether it be you're you're an older person, a younger person, or uh, it's whatever. Do you feel like as you move up the ladder, is it more stress for you, more pressure, or is it becoming more easy? I think, to some ways, it's it's starting. I, I wouldn't say it's getting easier. It's just uh, it's just different, I guess. Now, uh, as I kind of move up the ladder, um, I, I'm in. A, I, I have the the luxury, I'll call it, of being able to kind of build. Like uh, as my teams around and, and pick people and bring them onto the team that are uh, uh, as like-minded people, as opposed to being brought onto a team where I have to deal with your or work with a group of people that I, I might not or uh, as agree with, but being but having the, the ability to pick your team is uh, allows you to say I can tell it, you know this person won't work, and I've told you know this to uh, several different people. You know, when I go through interviews or and, and hiring people or putting a team together, sometimes, you know, I may not pick the candidate that has the best credentials or the best experience and all that, because that person's personality or that person's approach to problem solving or whatever is going to blow up the rest of the team. You know, it's like, you know, and you, you're kind of I mean, I'm looking for, you know, the team may have all the strengths in one area. But we're very weak here. It's like, well, the person that can fill that void and, and, and may not have went to Harvard or Yale or whatever, that person may have gone to a local community college, but they get it. They get whatever that is. And that's who I need on this team right now. So some people might say, well, why didn't you go for the Ivy League person? That person applied and was great. And was it's like, but that person did, could not fill this void. We have a bunch of Ivy Leaguers, smart, smart people. We need this. And so that's where I guess to answer your question in a very uh, as a long-winded way, you know, I've had the luxury now uh, to, to, to be able to, to build my teams. And I think some of it, too, is just some of it just grows through uh, as experience as well, being able to see and like, OK, I've gone through this kind of thing before. And so this is what I uh, anticipate. So I can kind of see things coming. But, you know, frankly, the last what and three to five years have been so different. I mean, it's just putting everything on his head. I mean, it's, it's encouraging in a, as a lot of ways that, you know, every major company, every government agency that you, or at least any one of size, uh, you know, you have, you see them hiring a diversity equity and a, 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 as inclusion officers. And that's great. You know, it's unfortunate it's taken this long for it to happen, but those are things that, you know, we just, at least when I was, uh, and for early in uh, uh, as my career, there, that just didn't exist. I mean, frankly, when I was at GE, some of the time I spent there, I mean, I, I was a, 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 a finance manager, but then because I was, I, I were, and because I'm black, you're like, Albert, and we know you do finance, but would you mind, um, 
also teaching in the racial equity classes here at GE. Like, you know, sure. You know, I, I enjoy that stuff. I believe in it. I, but it has n- nothing to do with what I was trained to do. Uh, but now, you know, it's, it's nice having professionals that are able to come in and lead these uh, sessions and lead uh, in the healing circles and, uh, and things like that, that, that I know that are planned here at Public Works and later this month. Because those are the, we, and having a professional to lead those things, it, it, it means a lot. And kind of this goes all the way back to what we were talking about before of feeling comfortable asking for help. Because if, I mean, uh, and public work could certainly have me come in and try and lead a, a, as a healing circle. And I'm sure it'd be funny. But <laughs> I don't know if you get that much from it. But having someone with some training and knowledge about, you know, counseling and the whole the healing circle and all that, lead those things, it actually means a lot. And so that's why, you know, I'm so happy to and participate in today's session, again, I, just because I know that and hopefully it will be the, the first step or the second or third step for some people um, towards uh, 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 as a journey. Yeah, absolutely. So that was kind of a lot, (laughs) dealing with stress in the workplace and mental health. So after a long day at work, um, what are some things that you do to kind of take care of your mental health? Well, I mean, I would say it's a glass of wine usually, but one of the things (laughs) that I'm trying to do more of is in, and this is actually something, whether it be during work or, or uh, uh, as after work, is just trying to find time and for myself, you know. And I know it's hard because we all have, you know, jobs and responsibilities and things like that associated with it. But the one thing I've been trying to do more of over the last several months is just find time, you know, whether it be uh, at 30 minutes to an hour a day just to go on a walk. You know, and, and and again, this is kind of something when I was growing up too. I don't remember a whole lot of brothers and sisters in, in the neighborhood I was raised just going on walks. We didn't do that. <laughs> I mean, I can't. I mean, I can. Ne- I cannot think of one time growing up, and, and uh, as is different now with my parents, because they go out and they do walks together, and it's cute. But at the, when I was growing up, not once did I hear my mom and dad say, "Hey, let's go on a walk." You know, and because that is that you know, when I'm walking and, and, and I do it here uh, 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 in Oakland at lunch, oftentimes I'll go on a walk uh, as around the lake. I come back clearer. Uh, I'm more efficient in the afternoons. I'm, I'm more awake. I mean, it's the, a whole mental aspect of, of just having time uh, and to meditate, really, in, in some ways. And so that's some of the things I'm trying to as experiment with. And I'm not the, you know, again, I, I, as I want to say, I am a stereotypical, you know, black male in his, uh, in his fifties now, just, this isn't something that we did growing up, but, you know, but me and my friends and and buddies of mine, I've known for 40 plus years, you know, we're talking about this. Like, Hey man, it's like, you're looking good. Like, are you, is it doing something like, well, you know, I began to stretch more. I began to walk more and, Things like that, because we're too old to be out there ever playing basketball. I mean, I, 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 I lost my jump shot years ago. So <laughs> having to find other outlets 
in order to maintain your health, you know, and that's kind of one of the things that I've been trying to do. And I'm, you know, trying to now with, uh, and with my daughter and bring her along on walks and stuff like that, because, you know, that's where uh, and we talk, you know, they, you know, because she's getting to the age now where she's not going to want to talk to me and uh, very long. But after like an hour, just uh, as walking and beside someone, you're naturally going to start chatting it up. Right. And so she starts telling me as about her day. And so those are some of the things that I have been trying to do. And, you know, and uh, me and, my, and then trying to share that with uh, and for friends and colleagues as well to say, you know, look, it's OK to do these kinds of kind of things. I mean, and if we think about it in our neighborhoods, and I can and, and I know for sure in San Francisco, because between us um, uh, uh, and Reckon Park, Public works are responsible. I mean, public works and Rec and Park are responsible for it and maintaining them. We have miles and miles and miles of trails and things like that, you know, to walk around on. And if you live in the East Bay or down the peninsula, same thing. And you know, as taxpayers, we pay for all that. And so now, so it's like, why aren't we taking advantage of the things that others in our community do, like routinely? And the same thing can be said for counseling and you know, and all those kind of things. We're paying for it, but we're for some reason or another not taking advantage of it because is it because we're just, is it new or is it foreign to us and things like that? So that's some of the things is trying to, you know, not uh, doing anything, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, you know, and I'm saying uh, uh, to take advantage, I'm not saying we're bending rules and stuff. It's like, it's a public thing, you know? Right, right. Go enjoy a walk on the shoreline or around the lake or, you know, those kinds of things or counseling, you know, they have, or yoga or Zumba, whatever it is. And I I recently took up golf. Like, like you said, I like, I used to play basketball and now my knees will not allow that. So so I've taken up golf and that just gives me time to just be outside and like, enjoy the fresh air and i'm like with my fiance we can talk you know you know it's just relaxing yeah i mean it's yeah. those kinds of things just you know and i guess what it's all said done and Natasha, i guess my thing is you know we all live in a very uh as a busy world and we're it's just you know if you go at 10 minutes without uh as an internet connection or without a cell phone, it's like, oh my God, I was, you know, or, <laughs> the end of the world. <laughs> or the need to tweet something or to post something on Facebook or Instagram or, you know, whichever it, you know, it is, uh, 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 TikTok. <laughs> I've been trying just to find ways to, to slow things down and not be connected to whatever it is. So like, like golf, I love, I'm a big fan of golf and I love it because for those four hours or so, if you're golfing a full 18, there's, at least for me, if cell phones are off, and whoever I'm golfing with, whether it be two or four people, whatever, that's my time to talk to those people and really get to know them, you know, and it could be a complete stranger. And I talk to that person, you know, you know when, when you're hitting, you're, you hit. But then other than that, you're chit-chatting when you're walking down the fairway. And I mean, and what as a better place could you be? You're walking in uh, and manicured grass, beautiful trees, you know, and water. Or for me, I'm usually in the woods somewhere trying to find my ball, but still. You know, I'm enjoying this nature and just slowing things down because, again, I think there's this urgency that we or this uh, uh, and it's artificial pressure just to be fast, fast, fast. And sometimes life just needs to slow things down. The same thing can be said with food, right? I mean, we have 
you know, you know, a, a microwaves and uh, what's this thing called? The, uh, uh, the the air fryer and all this stuff is about uh, sous vide. Everything has to be fast. <laughs> Just slow down, you know, uh, get a slow cooker going, you know, throw in some, some greens or whatever your thing is. Slow down, enjoy it. The meal, don't rush through it. Enjoy it. Have a conversation, you know, just slowing things down sometimes. Is, that's kind of how I uh, try and uh, get my mind right, uh, if you will. Yes. I don't like even like eating dinner at the table because like I, I push that a lot. Like <laughs> we just sit down and eat, you know, yep. instead of being in front of the TV or being on your phone so we can talk, you know. Yeah, no, I mean and your food tastes better anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean for our house, we have a rule. Phones are, you know, we and, and, and put them off to the side. There's and no TV uh, mm-hmm. at all. And there's maybe the most we have is some light music. And that's usually music without sound or without words. So it's like jazz playing in the background. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like, you know, then we talk. And you know, we have a, uh, I'll call it a, uh, as a game uh, uh, that we do every day. Or, you know, as we have dinner, we, we go around the table. And if it's just the, in the three of us, my wife, my daughter, and, and, and myself, or if we have guests, we do the same thing. It's called the, the, and the brave thing the kind thing and a new thing. So everyone around the table, we go around and you have to say as a brave thing, uh, as you did that day, you know, and it can be something, you know, I'm not brave. Like I jumped out of a building and saved a cat or whatever. It can be something simple. It was like, I went up to a stranger and, you know, I saw that they dropped something and I and gave it back to, them, you know, or that was brave because you could have just left it, but you were brave and you did whatever it is. A kind thing, something that could be a kind thing as well. And a new thing is like, you know, as I met him as someone new today, you know, and we talked about this, that, and the other, you know, so just, again, ever slowing things down, but really helping to build as a structure around a conversation and helping me as an individual and hopefully our family to bring uh, a focus or bring those things into life. So when I'm going into, so when I'm waking up in the morning uh, and going about my day, like, oh, I, this could be a brave thing if I go and help this person lift this box into this, you know, um, car you know uh, whatever it is mm-hmm. that's great i might have to try that one <laughs> well do you have any advice uh for the community moving forward i know you gave a lot of good gems just yeah. now so yeah. anything else you could think of <laughs> i think probably the biggest thing is is just for us to uh continue to uh and down this and uh, the progress and that we've been making the last and for few years as far as like I know for public works for example we have and the racial equity plan I know that there are uh, hopefully a, a number of people that are listening to this uh, chat today that were uh, as involved in that and just making sure that we keep uh, uh, and pushing uh, in the envelope and not being happy with just the fact that we've made the plan. And that was actually one of the things that, you know, when I did leave, I was uh, uh, disappointed that I wasn't going to be able to see that all the way through. Because I know that, you know, a lot of the work that uh, has went into it from the uh, uh, in the committee and, you know, don't let that be the end of it. You know, because I know that, you know, I was the acting director and, and now Carla, who's uh, a huge fan of Carla and phenomenal is there right now. And then there's going to be uh, a new director coming on board uh, soon. 
but just making sure that the, the public works family continues to push uh, and those kinds of things, because hopefully that's going to lead to uh, a continued change within public works, within the city family more broadly, and then hopefully that will uh, eventually spread out to uh, all of the uh, and the communities that we work with. And then, you know, I think some of that, the good thing is those kinds of, uh, that change, that kind of, uh, as progress, that starts to leak into the individuals, uh, their homes and things like that. So that's how you start to make a, a, as a bigger change. This may be seem like it's only the, and the racial equity plan for uh, public works, but I am a firm believer that that's going to eventually lead to uh, and broader changes across the community and in cultures and things like that. And going back to what I was saying, you know, way before that may lead to, you know, uh, and Natasha, you know, uh, and again, I, and uh, as I don't know this, but if you have kids or if you're going to eventually have kid children, you know, when they may go into a classroom setting and your daughter may be the only black girl in there, but then she may meet this other little girl that learned a lesson from her mom about something that involved in the racial equity plan, you know, and how uh, and cool would that be that something that you guys started right now grew, you know, a little acorn, you planted it, and that seed is going to, you know, lead to uh, some other kid, maybe, you know, five, 10, uh, 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 and years from now, talking about something that and her mom taught her during, uh, and the brave kind, and if a new thing, for example, that she played that day, and that, uh, and that little girl's kind thing was she went and talked to and Natasha Reed's daughter because she was the only one in the class that was a black person or whatever like that. So that was her kind thing. And that made your daughter feel so special. And then those two, you know, those are the kinds of things that trying to find ways that will build and connections uh, over time. And it does, it is going to require us, you know, as, as black people, as Asian people or whatever to continue and to step out and again, I'm not saying that's fair, because, you know, and we shouldn't always have to do it. But if we don't, then you won't get any progress. So we may have to step out, but hopefully that and that next step forward or will be uh, towards us will be the other side or other groups coming towards us to try and to, to try and reach and that shared goal in the middle. So that's my uh, 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 my two cents. Okay. Well, thank you so much. This was a wonderful conversation. Um, I appreciate you taking out the time to speak with us. Uh, we miss you here at Public Works again. <laughs> um, and uh, we just, yeah, thank you. Thank you for, for participating. And thank you so much. Again, I, uh, it, it, it has uh, it's been a pleasure uh, ever speaking with uh, every you today. And uh, as I'm looking forward to uh, participating, hopefully, in uh, some of the events uh, and for later this month. Yes, for sure. <laughs>